From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for tuning in and joining us for this Monday, November 27th. 2023 edition of Washington Watch. Well, coming up earlier today, 11 Israeli hostages were released by Hamas, bringing the total to approximately 73 hostages that have been released so far. There was also an agreement to extend the pause in fighting for another two days. Now, based upon this commitment, Hamas is set to release another 20 hostages. Now, in order to extend the pause, Hamas has committed to releasing another 20 women and children. Over the next two days, we would, of course, hope to see the pause extended further, and that will depend upon Hamas continuing to release hostages. That was John Kirby, coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council earlier today. We'll discuss the latest on Israel when I'm joined by Amir Sarfati, president of Behold Israel, who just arrived in D.C. from Israel earlier today. As Congress returns to D.C. this week, among the many items on their to-do list is finalizing the National Defense Authorization Act. Now, this measure providing funding and direction to the military passes nearly every year. But the military's focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion combined with continuing to use tax dollars to facilitate abortion, poses significant challenges to the measure's approval. We'll be joined by Missouri Congressman Mark Offord, a member of the House Armed Services Committee, who has been tasked to represent the House in their negotiations with the Democrat-controlled Senate over the differences in the bill. With the House successfully diffusing the annual Christmas funding crunch before Thanksgiving, big government advocates are at a disadvantage. They're now trying to regroup over their desire for more money for Ukraine. But that, too, has become problematic for the left. Of course, we can't allow Vladimir Putin to march through Europe, and we understand the necessity of assisting there. What we've said is that if there is to be additional assistance to Ukraine, which most members of Congress believe is important, we have to also work in changing our own border policy. That was House Speaker Mike Johnson earlier today at a stop in Sarasota, Florida, We're going to talk more about what that Ukraine funding looks like connected to border security here in the United States with Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson a little bit later. Iranian proxies in Yemen fired two ballistic missiles at at a U.S. warship responding to a pirate attack on an Israeli commercial ship. U.S. forces have been attacked nearly 70 times in the Middle East since the war in Gaza began. Our own Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin will join us later here on Washington Watch to talk about what could become a broader scope in the Middle East war. That's coming up later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from John chapter 9. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. He said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So what restored the man's sight? Was it the clay? Was it the saliva of the Savior? Was it the water in the pool? It wasn't the process, as we see Jesus employing different methods in his various miracles. It was the blind man's faith in the messenger, the one sent by God. The blind man's obedience to go to the pool was an act of faith, in the word that he had heard. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org Bible. 
Before I bring in our first guest, Washington Watch is an outreach of the Family Research Council that is privately funded. Unlike NPR, we receive no government money. We are here because of people like you. We're here because of you and for you. Folks all across this country that care about the direction that our nation is going. Well, tomorrow is Giving Tuesday. And thanks to a $150,000 challenge match offered by generous friends of FRC and Washington Watch, you can actually double your impact. And if you choose to join FRC as a stand member for a $20 a month pledge before midnight tomorrow, you'll receive a free copy of George Barna's newest book, Raising Spiritual Champions, Nurturing Your Child's Heart, Mind, and Soul. So take a stand for the future. Give us a call. We've got folks from our team standing by to take your call right now at 800-225-4008. That's 800-225-4008. And stand with us on this Giving Tuesday. On this fourth day of what was called a four-day pause of the fighting in Gaza, Israel and Hamas agreed to extend this pause for an additional two days. Per the agreement, women and children currently held hostage by Hamas, will be released each day in exchange for Palestinian prisoners. Now, over the weekend, Israeli, uh, Israel, Israel negotiated the release of four-year-old hostage Abigail Eden, who was, uh, was a U.S. and Israeli citizenship, citizen. And some expect two more American women to be included in an upcoming hostage release. Join me now to discuss this and more as Congressman Mark offered he serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Agriculture Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Congressman Alford, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Good to be here. So I want to get your reaction to this. Uh, just announced earlier today that this initial four-day pause in the fighting has been extended and a commitment made for 20 more hostages to be released over these next two days. Well, look, uh, this is what we thought Hamas was going to do all along. It is great that these hostages are being released. We'd like to see some Americans released. Uh, but this is the way Hamas is going to play this out. And what does Hamas want? They want this ceasefire. Uh, that's what the proponents for Hamas have been calling for. Uh, the administration doesn't want to call it that. They'll call it a pause. But why does Hamas want this? Well, it's strategic on their part. As long as they can piecemeal out the hostages and get them back with their families in Israel, then they have, uh, um, I wouldn't say an advantage, but they have something that they can use to their benefit to rebuild, rearm, and get ready for the next round that the IDF has in store for them. So I, I want to, when we look at, uh, Mark, the global instability, this this is a reminder of why we need a strong national defense. I mean, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed not to say that this, what we're seeing around the globe right now, there, there's a connection between America and the weakness that we've been projecting since Afghanistan. Uh, you're a key part of the negotiations on the National Defense Authorization Act. That's going to be front and center coming up here in Washington this week, next week, this month. What can you tell us? Yes, uh, I'm very honored to have been selected for the conference committee as a freshman member of the uh, Armed Services Committee. Uh, I'll be fighting uh, starting Wednesday, this Wednesday, with the uh, Senate Conference Committee. 
uh, the House combined, of course, and we will be fighting against the diversity, equity, inclusion program. So we had amendments trying to get rid of them on the House version of that, the CRT programs, also giving our military a 5.2 percent pay raise, uh, better housing, and trying to rebuild our programs, trying to get recruitment back going, uh, not just in the Army, which missed its goal by 25 percent last year, but all branches of the military, providing better housing for our men and women serving our great nation. Uh, Congressman, I want to ask you about the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion, because not only was that an issue that the House zeroed in on, removing a lot of that funding in this year's National Defense Authorization Act, but the military, right before Thanksgiving, came back and requested another $114 million to spend on diversity, equity, and inclusion. W what is it they don't get? I have no earthly idea. Unfortunately, I think Senator Chuck Schumer, who's kind of put us behind an eight ball in all of this, waiting and waiting and waiting to get this conference going, I think he's part of this master plan to keep this DEI and the CRT going in the military after we have offered successfully amendment after amendment to get rid of these programs. They're doing nothing but divide us in the military, dividing our nation. And yet this administration and the Obama administration before them are intent on, I think, destroying our military by dividing us further. There is a reason that they wear uniforms in the military. That is to make people uniform and to concentrate on skin color or what gender they use. The communist Chinese simply don't care. This is going to be pretty intense in these negotiations because the, the, the left, you know, the Democrats, uh, they they like this stuff. This is what they want to see our military used for. Now, not not all of them. To be to be fair, not all of them. Some of those that serve on the House Armed Serv on the, the Senate Armed Services Committee, they they do care about the the, the military right. being strong. Eric Schmidt, our senator from Missouri. So how how do you think this is going to come out? I mean, how how's this going to work out? Well, look, they're going to throw up roadblocks. I know our chairman, uh, Rogers, has been meeting with uh, his counterparts in the Senate as well, trying to work out some of these things ahead of time. One of the things they're going to be going after is this ban on a travel to have abortions. So say someone gets pregnant at Fort Leonard Wood in the southwestern part or southeastern part of my our district, they can go to Illinois to get an abortion where it's legal because it's illegal in Missouri. We're saying that should not happen. That's why Senator Tuberville has held up these promotions for uh, senior military officials uh, and quite successfully so to get the point across that this has to end. That is in our version of the NDAA. It'll be interesting to see uh, what the Senate does with that. We're anticipating they try to strip that out, but we are going to be fighting for this. We're going to be fighting to end the abortion travel because simply it's it's basically paying uh, for the facilitation of an abortion, which is wrong. Right. We're going to be fighting to get rid of these DEI and CRT programs. We'll be fighting tooth and nail. So, so Congressman Alford, isn't that the off-ramp that uh, Chuck Schumer and the Democrats have been looking for to resolve this military promotion issue that they're uh, you know, as you pointed out, Senator Tuberville has said, look, uh, I'm putting a pause on these military promotions. You're going to have to vote on every one of them. That has the, the left all upset. This could be the way out. They just allow this language that is clarifying language in the NDA to stay there. Issue resolved. It could very well be. Uh, look, we're going to fight for it in our conference. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I do know that 
the input on our end is going to be stripping that out, making it illegal to pay for any type of facilitation of abortion. It should not be up to the American taxpayers. No, whether, no matter where you stand on abortion, whether you think the individual states as their jobs decision uh, ruled that it should lie up to the states, that doesn't matter. The taxpayer should not be paying to reimburse travel expenses or housing expenses so someone can go get an abortion in another state. That's not how it works in America. Right. It hasn't for years. Uh, This was uh, a a unilateral change by the Biden administration. And as you said, Senator Perville taking a heroic stand, protecting not just the unborn, but the rule of law. Two very, very important aspects of uh, our society. Final question for you, uh, Congressman Mark Alford. What's the timeline here? When do you think we'll see something on the NDAA back in the House, a negotiated compromise between the two chambers? I, you know, I'm new to this, so I'd be over my skis if I tried to predict that. I would hope that we would have something back in a couple of weeks, maybe a month. But we have so much to do in the U.S. House. We still have appropriation bills to pass. We've got to get this done so we don't have to do another continuing resolution. Uh, I voted against the continuing resolution because I didn't want to keep kicking the can down the road. So we have a lot. We've got the farm bill to do. We're going to have to do an extension on the farm bill. All these programs that we have kind of shot ourselves in the foot over because of the firing of Kevin McCarthy and then having to find and hire a new speaker of the House, it's put us back by about six weeks. And so we have a lot of work to do for the American people. I'm just glad the 4th Congressional District sent me there uh, to be their voice and their vote. And we are as well. Congressman Mark Alford, great Thank to see you. you. Thanks so much for joining us Good today. seeing you, Tony. All right, folks, um, we're going to be back with more Washington Watch. In the meantime, as I mentioned, tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, and we've got uh, a $150,000 challenge match by some generous friends, and we've got folks standing by to take your call because your donation will be doubled. 800-225-4008. Stay tuned. We're back with more after this. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, 
and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Monday. And thanks to those of you who have already called in, getting a jump on Giving Tuesday. As I mentioned, uh, thanks to a $150,000 challenge match offered by some generous friends, you can double your impact to stand with the Family Research Council in Washington Watch. So throughout the program tonight, we'll have folks standing by from our team to take your call. Go ahead and give them a call, 800 225 Violence against U.S. troops stationed in the Middle East continues as a U.S. Navy warship responding to a distress call from a commercial tanker in the Gulf of Aden had two ballistic missiles launched at it uh, from Yemen. Now, this marks the latest in a series of attacks by Iranian-backed militias on U.S. troops and assets in the Middle East since the October 7th terrorist attack by Hamas. So, how far will they go? And is this an indicator of just how volatile the region is? Joining me now to discuss this is Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council. General Boykin spent the last four years of his 36-and-a-half-year military career serving as the Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence at the Pentagon. He was also one of the original members of the U.S. Army's Delta Force. Joining us now is General Boykin. General, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much, Tony. So what do you make of uh, the attacks over the weekend, um, these uh, missiles being fired on U.S. naval vessels? Well, it seems to me, Tony, it's just more of the same. It's uh, more uh, poking the bear in the eye and uh, seeing what the bear is going to do. And uh, quite frankly, I think the assessment of uh, of Iran, at least, uh, is that we're not going to do anything. You just stop and think back to 1980 when we, and I was part of it, when we went into uh, Iran to uh, bring home 52 Americans that were being held by the followers of the Ayatollah Khomeini. And uh, we uh, we went in and, and, and tried to uh, rescue them, but we failed. But they still turned them loose 445 day, 444 days later, because there was no longer uh, any leadership uh, in 
Iran, but there was certainly no leadership at that time in America until Ronald Reagan was uh, uh, brought into the office. And on the 20th of January, uh, he was inaugurated as the next president of the United States. And that was what they were afraid of. That was what they were concerned about, was what leaders would do, leaders like uh, this man that had uh, had made no bones about what he was going to do. He was going to get the hostages out and bring them home. This is one of the things I think we've seen repeatedly in our foreign policy when it comes to the Middle East is that the language they understand is power. That, that's the that's the that's the currency in the Middle East. It's power. It's not it's not the niceties. It's not uh, this play nice. It is either you do what you're supposed to do or there'll be a price to pay. No question about it, Tony. And and just from a practical perspective, just think about it. If if you uh, let someone take advantage of you or you someone hits you and you don't hit them back. What's the message that you just sent to them that you're afraid of them? And that's exactly what we've got. How many how many times have we been hit here in the last few uh, month and a half? How many times have they hit us? And is I think it's a seventy six or something like that. And uh, what have we done? We we've had six almost meaningless responses to it. What does that tell these these people that are out there wanting to? Uh, humiliate us and wanting to bring us down as a nation. Uh, We've got to stop this. We've got to respond. We've got to respond to the point that they feel it and they know they don't want any more of it. And that is not the attitude of this administration. So so let me ask you this, General, because I think some of the thinking is here, well, look, this is a volatile situation, and so we don't want to ignite it further. But is that, in fact, what it's doing by not responding with a definitive response that we're allowing this to fester and spread? I believe it's making us more vulnerable because they are growing bolder and bolder. Every time we fail to respond to uh, one of their escapades and we don't do anything in response to it, all that's doing is telling them we are afraid we're not going to get uh, down and dirty with them, so to speak. And I think that uh, if we keep doing this, we are going to get hit and we're going to get hit hard. And just remember, we as a nation right now can't decide whose side we're on in this thing. And uh, and there were days when we were actually raising money for Hamas. And there's a thing called the Holy Land Foundation trial that was in uh, 2009 that uh, showed very clearly in a court that we were raising money. We in America were raising money for Hamas, which was already identified as a uh, terrorist group. And and now uh, we can't figure out which way we need to go. But what we really do need to do is we need to get tough and we need to strike back. So, so General, we're almost out of time here. Where would you be looking for the next wave of activity, the next assault that might come toward the United States? What should we be looking for? Yeah, I think that what, if it was me, I'll tell you, I would, uh, I would go right back into one of those uh, Middle Eastern countries, and I would, I would execute some kind of uh, fairly significant terrorist organization. 
and uh, and and let the world play who done it uh, because what what they do not want to do is they do not want to be identified as having uh, started World War Three, but they're not afraid of it because they are twelvers, uh, if you know what that is, and and those are people who believe that their Messiah will not come until they have created bloodshed and chaos all over the world, and uh, and that is what these people are. They're twelvers, and uh, they don't want to be identified as as starting World War Three but they do want to bring their Messiah back. Well, it just speaks to how volatile the situation is and while, why wisdom, discernment, and, and quite frankly, spiritual insight is, uh, is needed in this hour in our leadership. General sure. Jerry Boykin, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, folks, on the other side of the break, we're going to be back with more Washington Watch. We're going to be joined by Senator Johnson of Wisconsin as we look at this funding for Ukraine being linked to security of our southern border. Republicans seem to be holding fast. We're going to be talking about that next. Don't go away. More ahead. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and the website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, be sure, and uh, check it out. With both chambers of Congress back in session this week, President Biden's request for billions of dollars in spending for Ukraine has emerged as an urgent topic on Capitol Hill. Now, Republicans insist that any Ukraine package must be conditioned on legislation uh, legislative solutions to the border crisis, our own border crisis. 
We saw an average of more than 8,000 illegal crossings a day this fall. Now, will Chuck Schumer and the Senate Democrats jeopardize aid to Ukraine over fixing our own border? Joining out to discuss this and more, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. He serves, <clears throat> excuse me, on the Senate Committee of Homeland Security and Government Affairs, the Senate Budget Committee, and the Senate Finance Committee. Senator, uh, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hello, Tony. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I did. I did. And you? Had a great, yep, had all the family and ate, ate too much. Well, it, it, it's, it's just a blessing to be away from D.C., uh, so I understand that. So let's talk about uh, the speaker today uh, at a stop in Sarasota, Florida, made very clear that any funding for any additional funding for Ukraine would be conditioned upon addressing our own open border and between the United States and Mexico. That's something the House is fixed on. But there are many Republicans in the Senate that agree. Absolutely. And by the way, not just legislative fixes, uh, because we have a lawless administration. We have a president that wants an open border. And so we do need to change the law. I mean, we need to have a much higher standard than credible fear. There's, you know, return to Mexico policy, third, third safe country. There are a number of things we have to change legislatively. But what we absolutely must do is make any funding to Ukraine contingent on actually securing the border. And that, that means benchmarks, metrics, the metric we should use is number of migrants entering America, no matter how they come in, whether they're encountered and processed and released or whether they, we detect them as, as God. Uh, number of migrants in this country, we set up a benchmark. And by the way, President Trump uh, pretty well secured the border in 12 months once he had returned Mexico in place. It, from his peak to his trough was 12 months. Right. We should expect the same thing from this administration. So no funding until you actually achieve those benchmarks on a month-by-month basis. I, I think that's extremely important because they are asking for more money to hire more Border Patrol agents, um, you know, more technology, overtime pay, boosting the pay. But but how does that help if the policies are actually the same? So the out, it, we need to be looking at not outputs but outcomes. How do we solve the problem at the border? Oh, yeah, and quite honestly, providing this administration more money at the border they're just going to uh, speed up the processing dispersing. That's, that's been their whole goal. Right. That, that's why they think, that, think their policy is success. We wouldn't have a crisis on the border. We've just gotten really efficient at encountering, processing, dispersing more than 6 million illegal immigrants into this country during their administration. So, no, giving them – we don't need money for the border. We, we obviously need Border Patrol agents. We need to let them do their job. I mean, that's the biggest problem is they're just getting so dispirited because – this administration's, you know, just been awful to Border Patrol agents, and they, they haven't let them do their job. A- extremely important point. It's not about money. It is about the will to do what needs to be done, and that is to secure the southern border. Now, Senator Johnson, I want to ask you an important question. I know where the House stands on this. In the Senate, they have to have 60 votes to advance something. That means if 10 Republicans join with the Democrats and abandon uh, their fellow Republicans on these border security issues, you know, it's all for naught. Do you think the Republicans in the Senate will stand firm on this? Well, unfortunately, only needs nine. And I've been making the point now for literally months that we need to stop taking whatever the Democrats want and finding just enough Republicans to join them to pass their priorities. That has to end. 
you know, particularly when you're looking at an open border being a clear and present danger to America. Democrats, the president obviously wants funding for Ukraine. A lot of Republicans do. I'm certainly sympathetic with the courageous people of Ukraine. But what must come first is our own homeland, our own national security. And that right now is, is in grave peril because of President Biden's open border policy. So you've got to say your priorities. And our top priority has to be to secure that border. This is the only leverage we have with a lawless administration. We must use that leverage. And so all we have to do is make sure that 41 Republicans a deny cloture on any bill that doesn't include strong metrics that require him, the president, President Biden, to secure the border, meet those metrics before money starts flowing. So, so what is your sense from your colleagues? Do you do you have those forty-one votes? Well, we, we haven't done a whip count on it because, you know, unfortunately, our leader uh, supports the Ukrainian package, and I'm afraid our leader is uh, uh, leading negotiations that uh, will just focus on legislative language and won't require the metrics, the, the benchmarks that have to be met. So, um, you know, we're, we're making the point. Uh, I haven't done a total whip count. I've, I've, I've literally, in lunch, I've asked people to raise their hand. I got a, a pretty large majority of the, of the conference to say that would be our red, red line, but I, I couldn't tell you that we for sure have 41 votes. All right. Well, Senator, as, the, as this progresses along, we're going to have you back on to, uh, to, to, to tell us what we need to do what our folks across the country need to do to weigh in on this to to address what you point out rightfully is is a top priority securing our own country senator ron johnson always great to talk with you thanks so much for taking time to join us on this monday stay well all right senator ron johnson of uh, wisconsin and we will be following back up on this as this begins to take shape over the next few weeks uh, they're hoping to wrap it up by the end of the year I think it may go into uh, to January, but nonetheless, uh, no money, no money for any supplemental uh, bills until we take care of business here at home. All right, don't go away. When we come back, Amir Sarfati from Israel just arrived. He's going to be he's with Behold Israel. He's going to be talking about what's happening in Israel next. Don't go away. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. 
Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. With us on this Monday, the website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. Lots of resources there for you. And remember, as we were just talking with uh, Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, you know, our republic was not made for spectators. It was made for participants. So you need to know what's going on. And then when we give you the action items, you need to take action. And this next topic is something we need to be praying about. You know what we say, pray, vote, stand. And when it comes to Israel, you know, we're continuing to monitor that situation as the pause and the fighting has been extended, as I mentioned at the top of the program, additional two days while negotiations for the release of more hostages held by Hamas continue. Now, as students of the Bible know, enemies have risen up against Israel and God's people since the dawn of history. What does an understanding of Israel's history and biblical prophecy tell us about these modern attacks on the Holy Land? I mean, Jesus warned us, you know, don't be deceived. Don't be surprised. These things would be happening. Well, joining me now in studio to discuss this and more is Amir Sarfati. He is the founder and president of Behold Israel. He's a noted speaker and author of many books, including the upcoming book, Discovering Daniel. Amir, welcome Thank you, to Tony. Washington Watch. Good, Good to yeah, see you. Good to be here. So, um, just for the benefit of our listeners and uh, our viewers, we go back to, I guess, 2015. We were in Correct. Israel. You led uh, one of our first tours that we took to Israel. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was. You brought a few buses, and we had a good time and uh, good fellowship also. Well, very educational uh, as one who is a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jewish Jewish roots, you understand the country, you understand the geopolitical Mm -hmm. environment there. Let's just jump right into this, Amir. Give us the latest. You just returned from Israel here to the United States, or just came to the United States from Israel. Give us a sense. Well, we're a nation that is post-trauma. We we just experienced uh, a a one day of Holocaust, unspeakable crimes against humanity that was that, that were performed by bloodthirsty people that have no regards to human life and have no intention to have any peace with us at all, which, by the way, 
leads me to Psalm 120 that says that I have dwelt with people who hate peace. When I am for peace, they are for war. And that's who we have uh, business with. And Israel, for the longest time, tried to appease them by giving them jobs within Israel, by allowing money to flow in. And But um, this monster, uh, you know, rose one morning and uh, tried to devour us. It's beyond description. Yeah, I have no words. I mean, I mean I've used this term, correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I, I it's demonic. I don't I don't think a, a human with a with you know to be someone who's you know created in the image of God, I don't I don't see an ounce of the image of God in people that do stuff like that. Yeah. It, it is definitely it's, it's demonic. almost under the control of something else Absolutely. because I mean I've, I've I was a police officer, I was in the military. But I've seen crime scenes. I've seen yeah. things. And, and what this, you know, the depictions, the, 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 the pictures I've seen, the stories, is just it's beyond what I believe humans could yes. do to one another. And I think that's, that's what the Israelis uh, understand right now. We, we're facing something that is far above and beyond what we ever expected. This is not something we are willing to live next to. Nor should future. you have to. I know. Oh, well, some people think we should. But, 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 uh, but Amir, let's talk about that, yeah. because now the sympathy is beginning. To, I mean, the media is fueling the sympathy for, for... And look, I pray for, the, for believers yes. that might be in Gaza, and, and I don't want to see bloodshed. But I also... I've been there. I've been to the border. I was there in 2014 when the, 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 the attacks were taking place. I mean, I've seen the land. I know how indefensible it is under the yeah. best of circumstances. Exactly. And uh, we're facing right now a battle between two things. One, we have the largest terror base on planet Earth. And in the north, we have the largest or the strongest terror organization on planet Earth. Right. And you're sandwiched in between. We're sandwiched right in between. And it's not a big parcel of land. Nope. Nope. And we understand now that was a wake-up call for us. Yes. We understand now that there is no way we can live like that even a day longer. Right. So we are doing what we should have done long ago, and we didn't because of pressure. Okay, let's talk about that pressure, because we're seeing that pressure arise again. Correct. Even from this country that we're sitting in right now, the Biden administration pushing for this, quote-unquote, pause, which has stopped Israel from taking care of business. You know, right now, the Israeli troops in Gaza are seeing, watching, looking at Hamas terrorists regrouping and reorganizing. Right now, we, we see we cannot shoot them. But we see that what they're planning for us in once this pause is over is far greater than what we had with them before. This was a terrible mistake to stop right now. We should have had a, a pause, but two weeks from now, when northern Gaza is completely leveled, all the tanks are facing the south. Now let's talk business. And I should mention you served as a major in yep. the uh, IDF. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the support from evangelicals here in this country. I mean, the U.N. is like on the other side of this. Absolutely. It's disgusting what we're hearing out of the U.N. Secretary General where else is Israel finding support from? Not too many. It's, fun. it's funny. We do have unexpectedly support from Germany and from Hungary and the Czech Republic. Yeah, and pl- 
But uh, believe it or not, uh, we see unbelievable wave of anti-Semitism all over the world that is uh, also in some, to some degree hosted and, 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 and tolerated by governments such as in, 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 you know, in Belgium and in, in Spain, in, in other places. It's, 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 I mean, the, the, the um, Irish prime minister just tweeted yesterday, yeah. Emilia was found. She was lost and she was found. She was not lost. She was kidnapped. Right. And she wasn't found. She was released for three terrorists that we had to release for her. I mean, that's how it works. They live in a parallel universe. It's a different Is it planet. intentional? I believe that, um, first of all, in Ireland, it's, it's a built-in, I think, uh, there's a, it's a deeper problem there. And I think that right now, by the way, what happened on October 7th, Tony, is caused, has caused a tectonic shift of many plates in many different levels all around the world. Yeah. And we're watching Agreed. it happening. And, and, and a lot of countries are now dealing with built-in anti-Semitism that they had for many years, and now it's rising, and now they have to choose Jewish people that we know that are not posing any harm for our country versus those Muslim migrants that we brought now that are leading this whole anti And they're afraid thing. of them. They're afraid of them, exactly. They're afraid of them in France. They're afraid of them in Belgium. And now look what happened in Holland, in the Netherlands. Right. So, so Amir, let's put this in biblical context. Yes. I mean, people are asking, what does this mean? Where does this fit in to Scripture? Okay, so we're watching three things that are happening right now. First of all, we're watching a, a resolve on behalf of the Israelis to live without borders anymore, without fences, without walls, because we're about to defeat our enemy. We're about to crush the enemy. It's something that we, we lived for years under the uh, guise of uh, the, the larger the wall is, the better the anti-missile defense system is, the better it is. No, no, no. We have to live without that enemy on the other side. But the second thing that is happening is Jews all around the world now wake up to the reality that there is no safe place for them as Jews than Israel. How do you explain that other than it being spiritual? I can't explain that. But these Jews in, in most of the countries where they were, were the leading liberal voices in America and in Western Europe. And right now they see that being liberal is not enough. Being progressive is not right. enough. They hate me for being a Jew. Right. Which, if you look at that, is a very small population, relatively speaking, to the rest of the world. Why the, why the sustained historical hatred? It's spiritual. That, that's the only way. It's spiritual. Your, yes. Because we... Honestly, show me one bad thing that the Jews, I mean, there are Jewish people that did, you know, uh, stuff that uh, I might not like. Yeah, but, but as, other, as in, exactly, anyway. but as a nation. But look what they contributed. Exactly. And look at the Nobel Prizes that we won and look at the innovation and technology. Uh, and, and the interesting thing is that the, really there is no other way to describe it right. but spiritual. Even now, the Jewish people themselves realize it's above and beyond what we can see. So it's a wake-up call for this generation. It's a wake-up call. Jews return back to Israel in, in thousands, and the Jews in Israel are fleeing. There's an exodus from hedonism and materialism and secularism towards believing in God because they understand... So a spiritual revival? It's a mini-revival. It's not a revival that I would... 
uh, expect. I mean, they, they're not following the Christ right, 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 exactly. Right. First, you have to return to your God, and then right. understand what God did for you. Right. And so we see that happening right now, and it's amazing. It's amazing. So how should evangelicals be looking at this situation? How should we be praying into it? Well, first of all, I believe standing for Israel and with Israel always cost. And if you're not willing to do that, there's a problem here. Jesus is going to one day judge uh, the sheep and the goats based on how they treated the least of, uh, of his brethren. I mean, even Joel chapter 3 talks about the fact that nations will be judged according to what they did to the nation of Israel. Right. Christians must know that they have to stand for Israel, have to pray for Israel, have to help them, help, literally help them. Right. That's the way it is. God is expecting that from them. But also I think that um, we need to pray that for many Jewish people, that the veil will be lifted as they make their way to their God. See, I think this is that opportunity, not just for the Jewish people, but for the world to see. Yes. That, see, I'm believing and praying that God is going to do what he's done in the past for Israel. He's going to show himself mighty Absolutely. to save. And it will be beyond man's explanation. Yeah without pointing to God. I mean, that's the only way you yeah. can explain it. You mm-hmm. point to God, which will be this revelation for those who have eyes to see, they'll be able to see it. Absolutely. I, I, you're right. And uh, I do believe that if you really have eyes to see and ears, and ears to hear, you're about to see amazing things. God is on the move right now. And by the way, I believe God is testing the nations right now. He's testing the nations. And among the nation, he's testing the believers, his yeah. people. Yeah. And we are, Israel has well, on, always... On where we stand yes, with Israel. Yes, Israel has always been... Look, when I began to travel around the world, God showed me, wherever you go, look at what they teach about Israel, and you will know their spiritual, the spiritual state of that church. Mm. Because it's like a litmus test. It's, it's amazing. So when I chaired the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, we were looking at this rise of anti-Semitism in Western Europe. And, and, and part of the concern, and historically speaking, is that that's usually as, as the um, uh, special repertoire for anti-Semitism at the United Nations said, it's the canary in the coal mine. Correct. And so if Christians are silent here, on what is happening to Jewish people all over the world. We're next. Absolutely. And, and by the way, those terrorists always say the Saturday people are first, the Sunday people are next. They, they use that term. They, they don't even hide it. And, uh, I mean, Europe must wake up and America must make, wake up. America has thousands of sleeping cells in all across the country your southern border border is so open and i can't even imagine how many hezbollah and hamas cells are in your country right now yeah they're testing you and look they waited and waited and waited and deceived us and deceived the whole area that they are they're deterred and they're not going to, and then boom, one day they strike. So was a part of it the, 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 the political acrimony and division in Israel that opened the door for this, you think? Absolutely. They saw that Israel, they thought Israel is too weak to respond. The society is too divided. They lost their patriotism. They lost their the sense of, uh, you know, uh, giving your life to this country. That's what they thought. That's what... Yes. It sounds like you're describing America, though, too. Absolutely, because this is exactly what the whole world is experiencing, and America leads that. 
And we, I'm telling you, they, when they smell weakness, they strike. So we're, we're positioned to be hit. I have no doubt. I've said that from day one. You know, for me, when I came in 9, it wasn't 9-11, it was 9-9. I came to America uh, and uh, I gave it a, a, a teaching called Will There Be Peace? And I talked about the coming Islamic terrorism to America. Nobody bought the tape, don't worry. <laughs> two day, the next day I was in New York City and I asked, what's going to happen if something hits those two buildings? Because you all, yeah, I asked Pastor Lloyd Pulley from Calvary yes, Chapel yeah, of, of, right. of uh, uh, Oldbridge. And the next day it happened. And be, because to me it was evident that there are, they're just waiting for the right time to do it. If you have eyes, you can see. Absolutely. And I, I hope that Americans are going to wake up to understand that you are in a, in a crisis right now, and you have to stand up, and you have to change this policy. And you know what you need to do in November. Amir, unfortunately, we're out of time. All we right. could spend the rest of the night talking. Very quickly, how can folks find out more about Behold Israel? Well, BeholdIsrael.org. We are on Telegram, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, Behold Israel. And, uh, and again, uh, go online to our website and you'll find the rest. And uh, frequently with our mutual friend Jack Hibbs. Yes, out exactly. Of Calvary Chapel, Chino right. Hills. Amir, thanks so much for thank joining you, us Tony. today. Always great to see you, brother. You too. And folks, thank you for joining us as well. Be sure and uh, check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Amir's contact information is there as well. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.